0: This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Hewitt is my hero. Jay Hewitt just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. We're we going to do you a minute. do not really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. Huh? It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Hewitt and Mike Salk. Hello. Hello! I don't remember whether we've ever ranked spins, but I thought I would do a little spin cycle for you here for a few minutes. Rock and Salt Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. Uh, there are multiple ways to spin the future, and quite frankly, as I've mentioned I think now a few times over the last couple weeks, I'm done trying to predict it. I'm not Karnak. I don't have any sort of predictive ability. If I did, I would move to Vegas like Joe Fan, who's going to join us in 30 minutes, and that would be my life. I would just predict the future for a living. I stink at it. I'm not good at it. I'm usually wrong, etc. cetera. So I'm not going to attempt to predict the future for these mariners. But I do have sort of three paths they can go down. Okay? I'll give you a positive, a negative, and kind of a disaster. What does the positive look like? What does the negative future look like? What is the disaster future this look is short like? Short term? Well, this is me short to more maybe medium term. All right. Right? It's it's different ways of looking at what we're seeing right now. So you can start with, you know, the positive. Good, as you were. This is the song. Better than Ezra, good. I knew you'd do some better than Ezra. Any chance you get. I saw better than Ezra. They were great. River Rave, 98. <laughs> Let's go. Something like that. The good is that they have great pitching, that they have an excellent young core with Kelnick and Julio and Cal and more guys coming. Who, uh, throw, uh, you know, Kirby and Gilbert and Castillo. And that most of the guys that are struggling right now should bounce back because that's what they've done throughout their career and that they're good players. They're just not playing well right now. We've seen it before. I mean, this is essentially the positive argument for this team, how they were constructed, why they were constructed this way, why Jerry believes in them and has said so over and over again, why plenty of people picked them to not only make the playoffs this year but advance deep into them, why they were a couple of pitches away from beating Houston last year and who knows after that. Mm-hmm. that there's a pretty solid nucleus here that continues to get better and they have every opportunity moving forward to continue to be good right that's the that's the positive here's you know the one direction it can and and by the way i'm not putting any more you know likelihood or anything on any of these scenarios cool so, okay so we're can we stop there? Because I feel good about it. You want to just stop I with good? I don't want to hear negative, and I don't want to hear disaster. Uh-huh. When someone's
1: like, do you
2: want the bad news or the good news first? Justin's like, just the good news. Right. Thank you. <laughs> just hold the bad
0: news. Hold the bad. I'll take the good. Yeah. and We'll just get out of here. Move well, on. no. Unfortunately, Justin, we've got to go with, you know, the negative. You know this song? Oh, is this... Do I know this? This is negative creep off Bleach from Nirvana. Yeah. A little bit of a heavier Nirvana sound. You don't hear this side of Nirvana that often. Yeah. Now I got it. You want the negative side? Here's the the negative future. Suarez might be shot. France might have been figured out. He's back to chasing every pitch again. And there's no plan at really any infield position at that point other than shortstop. And by the way, what was the spot everybody wanted to change out before this year and last year? Shortstop. Right now, it looks like the only, if you go down this scenario, where France and Suarez are shot. By the way, I'm not saying this is the case, but Suarez is getting older. France, this is now going on a full season since he's actually been a productive kind of hitter that he was before those first couple of wrist injuries. It would make nearly your entire infield an issue moving forward. It would make your entire infield other than J.P. Crawford an issue or question mark moving forward. You don't know what you're doing at second base. Eventually, Cole Young's going to get here, black but you, you don't know what you're doing at second. And if Suarez, there's no there's no other option at third base and you don't really have another first baseman that is close to, to being here. So eventually some of those guys will come you've drafted some and my guess is with three picks in the top 30 this year they're going to be looking at some corner infield mm-hmm. positions cuz they really are going to need them. Mm-hmm. But the negative scenario the the potential issue is that, right? That 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 this thing is Doomed at those two positions, which are of enormous importance, and those two guys right now have what do we say, thirteen home runs between them yeah. from your two corner infielders. You know, and, and you can't live like that. You think this is probably in the? In, you look back five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, maybe, maybe not that long. Maybe four. This is the. This should have been the Evan White year. And, right? and maybe it will be one day. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was part of the plan, wow, right? It was one for those Evan corners. White. Absolutely right. Solid. Yeah. Well, it hasn't worked out that way no. at all. You kind of forget about Evan White. That's a good point. Um, I I went with uh, negative creep. We could have done this one though. Mm, gets used too much though. I know we use this one a lot. This is one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh no, most ev intolerable quality to put me in a better mood though i'm not going to lie like even as we're mad and talking about these last few days this is sort of helping kind of puts you in a little bit better mode anyway that's oh no for most f but that is not the disaster scenario
1: wait what i'm gonna like peek through my
0: that's the bad news scenario it's Tinder not a disaster theory. i mean cool. as bad as that is those are positions that you can go find you can go replace those it's not going to kill you to find a first baseman and a third baseman I mean, you found those two guys basically on the scrap heap. So I think you can find first and third baseman. You see them all over the league. They're absolutely things you can go get if that's something you want. And you can kind of almost stumble into those two positions. The disaster scenario. Make it fast. Sorry, this is the beautiful disaster from 311. (laughs) Yeah. The disaster. I should
2: possibly playing some beds like under you that supported your positive negative disaster theme, and I should have known that you would turn it into more of a like music segment than
0: anything. Well, we just want to make sure people get the reference. <laughs> the disaster scenario is that what we're seeing right now with Julio is who Julio is. That's the disaster Gross. scenario, or that some of these pitchers end up getting hurt and don't end up being you know, what they've looked like so far, and you've wasted the early part of their career. Again, I'm not telling you that's what's going to happen. I don't truly believe this is the Julio Rodriguez that you're going to see for the rest of his career. I think he has outstanding skills, et cetera. I think the most likely scenario is that this team will be built on pitching, plus Julio and Cal and Jared Kelnick, and the reality or, you know, a really good start with those those nucleus members, and I'm going to hope that we're a lot closer to the positive scenario here than the negative or certainly the disaster um, because that's the that's that's sort of what you've banked on a little bit. There's other directions you can pivot and turn, et cetera, but that's kind of the scenario that in the situation they find themselves in. Here's what I find interesting about the quote-unquote negative scenario, right, where France and and, and uh, Suarez, et cetera, just really aren't who they're supposed to be or have been in the past. Can you imagine what would have happened if they had traded those guys in the offseason? Oh, I think people would have blown up. People would have lost their mind. Yeah. Could you make an argument that that would have been the best thing to do? Sell high on both that of those site? two sure. guys? You can't do it. I mean, you built your team around it. You went to the playoffs with good vibes only, and Ty France is a, you know, nearly a 300 hitter. Like, that's what you built it on. And when those guys come in this year and don't do anything close to it, I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do next. You could have traded those guys, right? You could have. I'm sure you would have gotten quite a bit, especially for Ty France. But Eugenio coming off a great year like that, once the defensive issues were behind him, I think you probably could have gotten something for both of those guys. It would have been a disaster, I think, from a from a marketing and PR perspective. That's what the Rays would have done. Man, the right. Tampa Bay Rays would have traded both those guys left the end of last year.
1: When you in, outside, you're right outside of home runs, Ty France is doing almost exactly what he did last year. Sitting the exact currently same average, almost the
0: same uh, slugging. Yeah, but, but half yes. of last year, he wasn't himself. Yeah, right. I mean, like right. this is the average. I kind of feel
2: huh? like that's who what we've seen from Ty France. Though, have we seen a full season?
0: No, but he's been hurt in those seasons, which is what's given me hope that yeah. pre-being hurt in those seasons, he's Post been great. Post-being hurt, he hasn't. But if he's the guy that chases as much as he has this year and doesn't have enough pop, that's like well, you can deal with chase as long as you have pop to go with it. Right now, he's not showing that. Yeah, he's hitting 275, but it's kind of a soft 275. <sighs> Jerry DePoto will join us at 8.30 this morning. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 salesports.com Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, if Tuesday was, what, lifeless and somewhat pathetic, we anemic, whatever word you wanted to throw on the Mariner offense from Tuesday, I think last night was basically a carbon copy of it. They generated almost nothing. Julio is lead. Here's the pitch. Swung on, line drive. Volpe on a hop. It's off Volpe. It deflects to second base. It's picked up there by Torres, who throws to first and gets Ty France. Wow. That ends the inning. It's been that kind of night for the Mariners. They're turned away here in the sixth. Yeah, it was like batted bats, and then even when you finally hit a ball well, it would go right at somebody and then deflect to someone else. It just... Sometimes that's the state of where you're at. Not much redeeming about last night. Luis Castillo gave up home runs to the dynamic duo of Billy McKinnon and Jake Bowers. Or McKinney, excuse me. Uh, He only went five innings. The offense, as I said, was putrid. Whatever positive signs you might have seen of an improved approach against Chicago or against Florida, that seems to be... Gone. Uh, what we've watched the last few games about as bad as I can remember at any time this year, at least in terms of approach. Scott Service, not really happy. You
1: have to compete every night, interestingly. you got to compete, you got to fight, really, from the first inning on. I thought the last couple innings, yeah. You know, I mean, the at bats were better, but you really got to fight from the first inning on. And if you don't, you know, uh, you're going to be feeling good about it at the end of the game. So uh, we're better than that. Uh, we know we are, and it um, needs to turn. We have four more games on this road trip against really good teams. Uh, we need to be more competitive.
0: Well, and again, last night wasn't against Garrett Cole. It was against sorry, nobody. It was against a guy that hasn't done anything in Major League Baseball and has an ERA over five. Your power outage has been a complete mess. Just no power at all from this lineup. No ability to generate a consistent attack. <sighs> And Teo, a day after missing the ball in right field, misses a hanging slider with two on down three in the ninth that would have given them an opportunity to maybe tie the game. So you got one more in New York tonight. Brian Wu will get the ball before they head to Baltimore to see a team that's actually good. That's the most frustrating. This Yankees team's not even good. And they've already taken the first two games of this series. Here's the second thing. You need to know. Yeah, I think at the center of it, though, and the most important thing to get figured out is Julio Rodriguez. If Julio were to go on a tear, we saw what happened the last time. The team started playing good baseball. He is their guy. He is their superstar, for better or for worse, and they need him to be Julio. Scott would like to see him maybe see more pitches.
1: I I think there's times he could benefit, and I've talked to him about it. And uh, I just think he's such a talented player. It's okay to hit with one strike it's okay to hit with two strikes. And I think the more times you see a particular, you know, the release point, the break on the breaking ball or what the two seamers doing out of his hand, the more times you see it the more success you're going to have.
0: Yeah, I think most people would agree just watching Julio and we've heard people use the word jumpy or you know that he he just doesn't quite look like himself and some of his swing decisions even on fastballs have been surprising, especially given what we saw of him, not just last year, but throughout his minor league career. Some of that is adjusting to the way the league is adjusting to him.
1: I think people are paying uh, very close attention to Julio and, you know, certain characteristics uh, on how they're attacking him inside the strike zone, outside the strike zone. They're paying attention, like you do all guys that are good players. You try to get them conscious inside. They are throwing some balls inside, and that opens up the outside corner. It's really hard to cover both. And I think that's what you're seeing happen on a really consistent basis.
0: Yeah, and if that's going to happen on a consistent basis, it's going to be hard for this team to be who they're supposed to. Julio's their guy. Julio's the one they invested in. Julio's the one they've built this thing around in so many ways, and it's been great seeing the development of Jared Kelnick this year. By the way, he was again the only player last night, taking a consistently good approach at the plate, hit a 110-mile-an-hour line drive off the bat. I mean, like, he had another really good day. Where's everybody else and specifically what they need from their best player? Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, after turning that off last night, I, I did watch the hockey game, AHL Game 7 Calder Cup Championship, and it was the Kraken's affiliate, Coachella Valley Firebirds, who were in it against the Hershey Bears. They were up 2-0. They were tied at 2. They went to overtime. as well. In front, Vecchioni couldn't settle it down. Buck's still available in front of the net. Who's but they score?
1: Mike Vecchione.
0: Yeah, just a little extra disappointment to add to the day. But it was a fun game to watch and kind of a fun team to watch. You see how much talent and depth the Kraken do have coming. Uh, A few guys impressed me. Riker Evans, for sure. Young defenseman who I think was there. Was he the second round pick after Matty Beneers? I think he was. Somebody have to go check that for me. But I believe he was their second round pick that after they drafted Beniers in the first season. And then I thought goalie Joey yes. Decord. Is that right? He was their second rounder that year. Round. Yeah, he's pretty good, man. He he looked like he belonged both offensively and defensively. He's going to be an interesting player. And if he ends up replacing Carson Soucy this year, that would not like shock me at all. Watching a goalie, goalie Joey Decord he's active, he's engaged, he's a little bit different style than what we've seen, but I thought he looked pretty good as well. The one guy that I just thought faded a little bit is Shane Wright, and that's a little disappointing. Would love to see a little bit more from the guy they spent quite a bit on last year. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Yeah, we'll talk to Jerry Depoto coming up at 830 this morning. Um, Let's see what else we have for today. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Oh, Joe Joe Fan's going to join us next. So normally Joe obviously joins us on Friday as I've mentioned now a few times I uh, get my colonoscopy tomorrow um, which started the prep has already sort of begun after 1230 today I can't eat any solid food it's all clear liquids after 1230 today so a little what fasting what eat at 1230? Well, you know what I was thinking about getting is a Pop Tart. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like, like, normally I don't eat until 11 as part of my intermittent fasting plan. But I just, if I'm in this spot, and there's only so many things you can eat because you got to go low fiber, but baked goods is on the list. Ah. So, I mean, if you can go baked goods and there are Pop Tarts downstairs, and I didn't bring any food with me because I normally don't, you know. I think I could talk myself into needing it's to get a Pop-Tart here in the next five minutes. Plus, it'll put me in a good mood to do something that I'm bummed to do. Say goodbye yeah. to Joe Fan. I was only going to join us two more times. We'll let him exp- uh, express why all of that is going down, and we'll do it next. Brock and Salk Salesports on 710 com.
1: This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered
0: through the Alaska Airlines
1: studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle
0: Sports app. More of uh, why do you read me these quotes? Why are you just trying to get me fired up? <laughs> now we're going to have to dig into well, I that. I figured
2: if I can get you fired up about something other than the marriage. Oh that man, be good. No,
0: I'm so, definitely fired reading up. Reading you some that. Aaron Rodgers quotes. I know. Well, we'll do that. Well, you know what? We're going to have to come back to that. Okay. Uh, Michael Bumpus going to join us in 15 minutes. He is uh, going to help us out with Blue 88 today. Right after we talk to our guy. Joe Fan and Joe, this is bittersweet. I'm so sad about this, and and um, we're going to be losing you just a couple more weeks here. Tell us what's going on, man. Yeah, you
1: know, so a couple of months ago, WinBet decided they were no longer going to be in the original content space, and so my full time gig uh, disappeared. And so I have been on a search and a, you know soul searching, job searching, trying to figure out what's next for me uh, in terms of full time work and. You know what, this, uh, this, this whole sports industry that we love is, is ever changing and, and, and certainly becoming increasingly volatile. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I looked around, tried to see what was, what was around. I think part of the issue is that I do want to stay in Las Vegas. Uh, I really love it here. Met a girl sick of sort of moving and uprooting my life every two months. Um, and so, you know, I, I looked at a couple different opportunities and, and ultimately decide to bet on myself and go the real estate route. And uh, it, it's certainly going to be a huge grind to get started, but um, it, it was really nice when you spend a lot of days staring at your phone, hoping it'll ring until it will give you a shot mm. uh, to say, you know what, I'm in a position where I'm going to bet on myself and, and whatever happens, I can live with that.
0: Yeah, I, I understand. And I'm happy for you, obviously. And and sort of the fact that you feel settled and, and, and ha- now have a path, et cetera. But I'll also just, you know, I, I wrote this and I'll say it here again. Like, I, I feel like it's a huge loss for the sports community and especially here in Seattle. I think your voice is a, is a great one and, and people who are opinionated and passionate, who are good writers, who are also, you know, can speak their mind and write their mind and can be on camera. I mean, Joe, you got so many of these, of these different skills that belong in our business, it's, it's, it's a terrible commentary on our business that there's not a spot for you.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying all that certainly means a ton. You know, I'm grateful to have these spots excited for these last two. And, and, you know, we'll certainly do the the big thank yous next week, but we'll always be grateful to you and everyone at Seattle sports. It's uh, you know, and it's certainly not goodbye. I'm not moving, not moving away. You know, I'm still going to be part of what's the conversation on Twitter. And I mean, you already moved away. Here on the air, but um, you know what? Uh, Yeah, I really appreciate you, Mike. That's very kind.
0: Well, you're going to do great as well. I mean, I I can see you. I mean, you're a very handsome man. I can see you kind of have the whole real estate thing naturally, I think, will fall to you. You're going to be playing golf with all your clients. Like, I can see where this is going to be very lucrative uh, for you. So, Joe, we're disappointed and, by the way, tons of texts already coming in. uh, People disappointed. And that happened the other day when I talked about this as well. Say it ain't So Joe says one. No, I love hearing Joe every week. Best of luck. I'm a big fan with two N's. So, uh, yeah, that's just a couple that have come in already. Very
1: humbling. Very humbling. I appreciate that.
0: Well, it's yeah, it's a it's a testament to you. So let's uh, let's spend a few minutes uh, since we have them talking about, uh, you you know, what's going on in the world. I don't know whether you've watched the last two Mariner games, but if you haven't, I uh, envy you.
1: You know what? It's one of those, and I would, you know, admittedly to kind of uh, raise my hand and say, you know what? I probably haven't watched enough marriage baseball all year because I can't stomach it. You know, you'll turn on the game and you'll watch an inning or two and you'll say, you know what? I don't have to do this to myself tonight. I don't have to talk on the radio for four hours tomorrow. I don't have to, to be covering every single, you know, it's, you get the idea of what's going on when you see the commentary on Twitter you see the box score from from when you turn the, the game off and then moving on certain last two games were as grim as as you can imagine especially given you know the Yankees lineup that's that you know not good and he's not 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 good but you know has some injuries and you've got a starting pitching edge but you need to look at the Mariners lineup they threw out yesterday and you don't look at that as a lineup that's ever going to win a baseball game certainly at Yankee Stadium so um yeah, it's grim. It sort of feels hopeless, which is hard because like the core is still there. There's still pieces that you can build around, but it does feel hopeless, and, and in a season that had so much anticipation, it just feels... It's really a bummer. I don't know how else to say it. I feel like I've said everything so much, and I had some buddies text me, hey, last couple times, you going to go at Salk? You guys going to get it going again? And I'm like, I don't really have anything to, to go at. I think my my probably biggest hot take, and I, I do believe this, and there will be people who think this is unfair, but I, I, I think Scott's service is 100% on the hot seat. If you come into the season with uh, hopes and aspirations of being one of the best teams in the American League, and you're potentially on your way to losing the locker room, and, and whether that's unfair to say, maybe, but you watch the, how this team plays, there's not a ton of passion. There's not a ton of fight. It feels pretty lifeless. It feels like they're playing it out already a bit. You know, there was those two games against the Marlins that were so good. But beyond that, it's just been bad pretty much all season. And so if you can't turn the key from being the playing with house money, uh, you know, come out of nowhere, underdog mentality, scrap your way to playoff spot, if you can't turn the key to, okay, now there's some pressure on us and people are gunning for us because, we are one of the teams to beat in the American League uh, and and the whole division passes you by, yeah, I think you have to have a serious conversation about whether or not he's the right guy to lead this team uh, in the future to to where they ultimately want to go.
0: So why, why Scott? I mean, what is it about him that leads you to say that? I mean, it is a guy who brought them to the, to the playoffs last year. I mean, that's not like five years ago. It was literally last year. Not that managers don't sometimes get fired after a playoff appearance. They do. But what, what would, what would make you say that it's that, that it's that as opposed to, Hey, when you're not hitting, you look lifeless.
1: Well, when the entire lineup is, You know, underachieving to this magnitude. I mean, that speaks to coaching. You know, that's not roster construction. Now we can go down the the rabbit hole of, of where I have issues with Jerry and ownership and all of that. And I think that's much harder. It's all in baseball. It's really hard to, uh, parse out blame because these guys are professionals. How much is the hitting coach really have an impact on these guys on a daily basis? You know, Edgar Martinez, one of the best hitters of all time. He was fired by this team at one point. So like does firing the hitting coach really change anything. I think that's, what's hard is, is I, I don't think all of this is Scott's fault, but at the end of the day, he is the head coach or manager, as they call it in baseball. And when the whole team's underperforming from a lineup perspective, that falls on his shoulders, how much he has control. I don't know. So it could be unfair, but you know what? That's just sort of the reality of the seat that he sits in. And so it might just come down to needing fresh blood and a new voice, and some some reinvigoration of what's going on because, um, yeah, the, the, what's happening right now is unacceptable, and it should be viewed as that throughout the entire organization. And I would imagine that that Scott and Jerry and everyone else would would say as much. That, I mean, they never saw this coming, and it's and it's unacceptable that they're in this position.
0: Yeah, I, I would disagree with a lot of that, and agree with one part. Um, I think there's a you know you kind of brushed over the manager versus coach thing. And I wouldn't. I I think that there's a pretty key difference between being a manager and being a coach. Managers don't coach these guys. So when we say, you know, if there's a problem with all these guys, it comes down to coaching. I don't know that it does. I, I don't know that that's really a manager's job in this day and age to coach the players on his team. But where I do think that there's an interesting conversation at some point, I don't know whether right now is the time for it or not, is about just a new voice, and I, I think the world of Scott Service, so this is not a fire Scott, um, not even a nod towards it for me because I think he's really good at what he does, but there is there are times where every team, every, every group, sometimes just needs a different voice to come in and change things up.
1: Yeah, and it's not that I, I dislike Scott or him. Really sitting here pulling for it. I just, I don't think you can avoid that conversation given again how bad it's been. It's not that they're slightly underperforming. They're a couple games out of the wild card race, you know, as opposed to chasing an, an AOS title and comfortably in the wild card. I mean, it's, they can't beat good baseball teams and they've shown it all season long. And so, yes, baseball is sort of tricky. And I did mention that. I mean, it is harder to judge managers. When it comes to and coaches and hitting coaches and pitching coaches and whatever, when you know baseball is so much more of an individual sport. When it comes to pure performance, and then the collective is just the result of all of that. To a lot of the degree, you know, culture is important, beliefs important, all of those sorts of things. But it, it's different than a basketball coach drawing up plays on the sideline. You know, it's like you can either hit the pitcher, you can't. You know, it's it's different than making in-game adjustments of. You know whatever action that the opposition is showing you in a basketball game or a football game or whatever, um, you know. So, but but it is it's it's tough because blame blame has to go somewhere. So if you if you maybe you just decide, hey, it's all the players' fault, and so you know, and there's some of that for sure because these are grown men and they got to figure it out as well. But you know, I remember how we have a, we had a conversation once where you said I don't really ever blame the players you know, it's Jerry's job to get the right players and what, you know, the, the, whatever, but so then who does get the blame? Cause somebody has to, and ultimately you can't just look at this and say, well, we just got unlucky. No big deal. Let's move on to 2024 and, and see what happens.
0: Uh, just to turn the page a little bit and get uh, your thoughts on a few other things as well. Um, what you make of LA country club in the U S open last week?
1: huge disappointment. I mean, everything you read about trying to keep the public out is such a shame. Uh, I mean, the U S open to me above all other tournaments should be a celebration of, of golf. It's a, it's a national open. And you saw how, you know, it's not a major, but the Canadian open just a week prior was so much fun and there was so much pride there and there was so much energy and Everything I've heard in general about LA Golf Club is it's a very stuffy country club, um, which I think should be avoided for U.S. Opens to begin with. I think every U.S. Open should be played at a course, even if it's astronomically expensive, at a course that's public. Uh, You know, Pinehurst number two next year is going to be sensational. It's expensive. I've played it. But you know what? If you want to, you can go do it without having to have some uh, incredible connection to, to go get out there. I mean, it should be a celebration of golf and golfers and what this country has to offer in the sport. And that includes rabid golf fans who want to come out and support players of, you know, American nationality and all over their favorite golfers. I mean, it just lacked so much juice and energy to where it felt like sort of this almost COVID major where, you know, fans weren't allowed and it was social distancing and whatever. So it was a great tournament. The leaderboard was was a ton of fun. I watched the entire day on Sunday. Um, but but to me, it's just unacceptable that the, the USGA would allow uh, LA Country Club to limit public purchasing tickets uh, to from that standpoint. And I'm really glad the players came out and roasted them accordingly.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100% on that. And, and just as a Seattleite, bring it back to Chambers, man. I mean, somebody just sent me – actually, your former roommate just sent me – uh, the, the clip of, um, of Gary Player roasting Chambers Bay when he was here. Like, dude, whatever. Like The fact that they now have these U.S. Opens built out through like 2040 and the Chambers can't get back on the list, after watching the L.A. Uh, Country Club, I'm like horrified by it. Chambers still, and especially given all the work they've done, God, I want something to come back here badly.
1: Yeah, and then you also you look at LA Country Clubs already on the list again. Yeah. For whatever, 20, 30 million, you know, like whatever the, the year is that's so far away that's hard to fathom. It you was know, the last year of Julio's contract, it's going to be back at LA Country Club. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really is a shame because it, to me, it was a failure of an event from a host committee standpoint. And luckily, the players turned it into a really enjoyable event to watch on TV. But you do feel for golf fans who who wanted to be able to check it out, uh, you know, outside of the corporate hospitality, uh, you know, spectrum, um, really disappointing. And again, I can't express this enough, really happy to see the players that came out and said, just not a great course, don't like the course, wasn't good for fans all of the above, uh, not my favorite event. Uh, I appreciated that. Yeah, You saw it from a lot of people.
0: Well, Joe, I'm not happy about this, but uh, I understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I wish you the best of luck. We will uh, do this one more time next Friday. Thanks for coming on a day early today, since I'm going to be out tomorrow, but, uh, I'm happy for you, man. I think you're going to do great.
1: It's uh, it's going to be a heck of a ride, you know, certainly a big, uh, Page Turner and new chapter in my life, but looking forward to it and uh, really appreciate you. And, and can't wait for next week.
0: Well, and once you're you know a big successful real estate agent, golf's going to be on you for a while. That's all I know. Is next time, next time we play, it'll definitely be on you. You'll have you'll have more money than any of us, so we'll be very excited about that.
1: That's the deal, Mike. Last week, career round, sixty eight hundred yards from the tips at TPC Summerlin, I shot seventy five. Holy cow!
0: I felt like a superhero, Mike. So, yeah, we got to get you down here soon. Dude, well, I don't want to go play with you if you're shooting 75. I'm just going to (laughs) go embarrass myself. Nice work, dude. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. See you, brother. All right. There is Joe fan. And yeah, I, it stinks, man. It absolutely stinks that uh, that this business doesn't have a spot for Joe right now. And and some of it is where he's living and all of that. But just a bummer. Talented guy. I really like him and I've enjoyed talking to him. We disagree in a lot of things. And turns out that's okay in this world. That's uh, how me and this partner who's never around of mine have built a, a long-term friendship and relationship and show. Like, it's okay to disagree. Talk it out and respect each other and back up your points and you can have uh, some success in this world, not just in sports, but in uh, like other parts of life as well. So with that, let's turn to Blue 88. This is Brock and Sock's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you
1: to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, with once again, Brock out for just a couple more days. He'll be back on Monday and we'll be uh, full go at that point. Michael Bumpus, kind enough to jump in as uh, I saw you giving Stacy sort of the death stare yesterday as she was in here. Bob, I saw that. So we didn't want you to feel like, you know, you were left <laughs> out or unloved or unwanted. So here you are.
2: Well, here's the thing. Like, I, I get that she cheats on our show every Friday with the morning show. So you know, I expect that. But when I walk in on a Wednesday, yeah, and I see her in there at what nine fifteen or something like that, I gotta, I gotta make a pillow come.
0: Yeah, as you should. <laughs> I don't blame you for that at all. Well, thanks for jumping on today. We got three football questions for you. Uh, Mora sent me a who had that list. Mora Field Yates. Field Yates at ESPN had a list of sort of one off season move that each team could still make. And for the Seahawks, he had extend Chenanuosa. What do you think? Time to extend, Shannon? I definitely
2: would, man. I think that he is the attitude on that defense. I give it to him and I give it to Quandre. We all know with defense, it's uh, the more violent side of the football. He brings that to the table. And also, he showed with his first time actually being the guy. You got to remember, he was over there with with the L.A. Chargers playing behind all pros and pro bowlers. He showed that, look, I can handle it. I can give you nine and a half sacks. I can give you some TFLs. I could be the... Player of the week for what, the first second week of the of the season. So yeah, I think Uchenna is one of the guys that you don't want to let go that you want to extend because when you talk about like the culture and the identity of the Seattle Seahawks, this team, I automatically throw him in the mix. Man, I think uh, his presence is important, his play is important, but uh, he's a guy who can't produce, and I'm expecting a big year out of this guy. I'm expecting ten and a half, eleven sets.
0: Wow. All right. Well, if he had 10 and a half, 11 sacks, you'll have wished that you signed him earlier to some sort of an extension. Question number two. All right. I'll I'll stay at that same position. So Chenna's going to start on one side as an outside linebacker. On the other side, you've got three straight years of second round picks competing for that gig, right? You've got, uh, you've got Daryl Taylor, Boye Mafe, and now throw Derek Hall into that mix as well. Of those three guys, not who do you think is going to be the starter, who do you hope ends up the long-term starter of the three?
2: Man, I really hope Derek Hall is the long-term starter. And the reason why I think he's a long-term starter is because I think that he has a couple years to develop, right? I think that DT is still going to hold it down. I think Mafé is going to be your nice change-up guy coming off the bench. But if you give Derek Carr a year or two to grow, and then eventually you re uh, you extend him, uh, that means that it's paying off. And you look at just the attributes, the athletic ability—all these guys are athletes. They all bring something different to the table. But I think you and I have a have a little man crush on mm-hmm. Derek Hall. The way he looks, his story, the way he communicates—he's just a guy that you want here for the long term. And you look at all the things that he can do physically. He's not forced to be the guy right now. You can bring him along slowly. Um, I think he's going to be great, and just because he's younger, too, right? You want the youngest, youngest guy to be here, the longest. That means uh, that longevity is kicking in. But we look at all three. All three can play. I, I hope that all three are here for a long time. That means you drafted well. But I look at Derek Hall, and there's just something different about his twitch, about his motor, about how he plays the game. Um, I love what he raises the table. I hope it's Derek Hall, man, but uh, obviously I want all three to hang around for a bit.
0: All right, question number three. All right, I'll make you another difficult choice. Choose two of these three wide receivers to make the team this year: Jake Bobo, Derek Young, D. Eskridge. Man, I don't know why y'all doing this to me so
2: early at seven fifty-one hey, in the morning. That's 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 a here, two. man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got to pick two out of those three. I'm going with D. Eskridge. And Derrick Young. I love Jake Bobo. I think he might make the team, but I'm going to go with the guys with familiarity. I know people are going to be yelling. DS, uh, Bob DS is done. He's this and he's that. Um, I think the man just hasn't been able to stay healthy and he brings something unique to the table. There's no other, other receiver like him now. If you got Jake Bobo oh, who you can compare him to as far as stature. But you look at just the way that he runs in his switch. I don't think we have that in the receiving core. And then Derek Young is just a guy who does it all. He, he plays, he let I mean, him at tight end a couple of times last year. He's good on special teams. Um, he's great on the outside as well. He's not going to be a dude that's going to give you 35, 40 receptions in a, in a season, but he's a guy who I think can make a couple of big plays and help out on special teams. Now with Jake Bobo, I think they're going to try to get him on the practice squad, but this is what's going to happen. He's going to ball out during preseason. He's going to turn some heads and they're going to have to make a tough decision because as soon as you try to get a guy on the practice squad to give other teams opportunity to try to scoop and score. So I'm going with the guys who are familiar with the system or have been there who have done that. I still think Jake Bubba is a possibility, though. All
0: right, good stuff. That is uh, Blue 88 with Michael Bumpus today. You know, it's funny. I was uh, listening to you describe uh, Derek Hall there, and, I, I, you know, yes, I'm right there with you with the sort of man crush. I really like so much of what he brings to the table. But all the descriptors you had of him – are things that I feel like we said exactly a year ago about Boye Mafe, right? Give him a couple of years to develop, mm-hmm. unbelievably athletic, needs to learn the game a little bit more, leadership, communication, great kid to root for. I mean, like, I feel like all of those things were just as true about Mafe. Hey,
2: yeah, I agree. And with, like, there's a trend going on, right? The Seahawks know the type of guy they want at the position. At some point, and finally... Back to the house, as he said. To picking those type of dudes, and then you talk about just their personalities, right? They pick up the same type of guys, so that's a good thing, man. It's probably even a good with these personality. These personality might be a bit different, but um, attributes-wise, man. They're all athletic. They're moving in the right direction. Pretty
0: darn cool. Bump, thank you. Appreciate it. Love your insight. And uh, you guys know this, but I'll say it again. After our show every day, we open up for Bump and Stacy. Go listen to them, and uh, it's a blast. My, uh, I love listening to it. When I get done here, drive home, uh, I listen every day, and uh, you should as well. Thanks, Bump. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. All right, there you go. Michael Bump is – oh, I should have had him share what he's doing this weekend. Did he end up talking about that on the show? I don't want to say it if he's not talked about it yet. I, I don't remember whether he's they, talked, yeah, about they talked about it. Yeah, they talked about it. They did? Yesterday. You're yeah. sure? 100% well, sure?
2: He aired it out on our show yesterday.
0: Yeah. Dude, he is going and having the coolest experience yep. like ever. I am so jealous. And I, I don't mean to just sit here and just... You know, yeah, Stacy and I really should have been. That's right. We were talking about it yesterday more. You're right. We really should have been NFL players because then we would have been invited to go to Bandon Dunes this weekend and like go on a private jet playing an unbelievable tournament and all that. Like I, I just should have done Why wasn't I an NFL player?
2: When I yeah, he, texted him last night to ask him to come on, I was like, I'm really grateful that you could still make yeah. the time to come on with us when you're flying PJs <laughs> and everything now.
0: It does feel like we blew this. Like, something went wrong in our yeah, lives. You had the and opportunity we... and you didn't. I know. what a, what a stu- And I wanted to go into radio, yeah. like politics and then radio. I could have gone into being an NFL player. And then you get really cool perks that come with that. Stupid me. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to talk some football before Jerry Depoto joins us at 8.30. Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com.